Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to ignite the growth of your agency. So by this point, this is the third in-person touchpoint. If you properly interview them, then you've added value to the role. They've clicked on this job advert thinking that it's applying for every job going, all of a sudden they're getting personality tests. We've created a super special free Firewave gift, packed full of marketing goodies just for our podcast listeners. You can get yours by going to www.fire-wave.co.uk slash free gift. Here are your hosts, Sam and Phil. Today we're talking interviews. And the reason we're doing that is because we are actually in the middle of an interview process at the moment. We are near the end of the interview process. <laughs> well, we hope we are. We hope we don't have to do it yeah. all over again. So it's actually consumed probably the last three months trying to get people to come and work for us that we think are good enough and trying to make sure that the people who do apply really want the job and they haven't just ticked something on Indeed. There's a long list of employers that they have no idea who they are, what they do. Which definitely happens. Definitely. It definitely has happened. Yeah. Well, they don't read the instructions no. that I give them. I think Indeed gives an option for like a quick application. So it's, it's a one-click application. Mm. So I'm sure they apply for hundreds, even though they tell us that they've <laughs> specifically applied. I bet most people only research the company once they've been offered an interview. I would. Yeah, same. So we're recording this in December 2021. and we freezing. Started this process probably in the summer and we just couldn't get anybody to apply. Furloughs and bounce backs and all those kind of things got in the way, didn't they? And also, we didn't put any money behind the advert. So it was literally dead. And I can't really tell you whether it was the time of the year, but it was literally dead. I mean, we've got two applications and those are the people that apply for every job ever since we opened. <laughs> and then never answer us when we reply back to them. When we say, why have you applied again? <laughs> or there's three different roles here. One's a junior marketer. <laughs> one's a high-level office manager. You've applied for both. Yeah, in fact, if you just send us a video crickets yeah and then around about five six weeks ago i was getting frustrated i decided to a change the copy but b put some money behind the job adverts on indeed and that totally changed it how much money did you put behind it i believe four pound a day for maximum 14 days and was that for all the positions yes we had about six advertised that time it was for the main four right yeah and that did make a big difference huge difference because and then you went on holiday and left me with 60 applicants. So the advert was out for 14 days. I went hard in 15 days. And then I had to deal with all the... Well, I'm too high level to deal with the early rounds of the interview <laughs> process. I'm clearly not. So what we're going to tell you about is our process that we went through for the interviews, our whole hiring process, actually. And some of it might be what you're already doing. Some of it uh, might be completely alien to you. But everything that we have researched about hiring the right people in the right way and getting loyalty and the best people... So if you need somebody desperately, it might be really tempting to go, right, I'll have a quick call with them, maybe a Zoom, right, you start on Monday. And because if you're really desperate, that's what you want to do, isn't it? But actually, it can cause you so many problems having the wrong person in the job that actually you're going to have to start this process all over again anyway. So it's a false economy of time. You can be lucky. We have been lucky on numerous occasions. I was lucky with Tilly. And I, yeah, I don't think there's necessarily a definite right way of doing it because sometimes actually off the cuff, yeah, you're the right fit, what ends up well and going through a long process and hiring someone and actually they turn out to be barely the wrong fit actually because usually you should have a sense by then, but just the wrong skill set. Yeah. There's never necessarily the exact science, but I'm hoping that the method we're using now which is a heck of a lot longer, takes a lot more time and effort on both parts, which is important that they 
we'll talk you through the exacts in a later on in the episode, but it's important that both parties put in some effort. Yeah, because if they don't, I think what you're doing by adding extra effort and extra hurdles for them to jump over is you're adding value to the role. Because I used to have a contract cleaning company 25 years ago. And I remember them teaching us because it was a franchise and they taught us if you just hire a cleaner based on, you know, you put an advert in a window. That's what we used to do in pre-times. Next to the dog. Advert, what? Next, <laughs> how much is the dog in the window? Like a spa shop window and say, we're looking for a cleaner. And then they phone up and say, yeah, I'm a cleaner. And then you go, okay, meet me there at six o'clock on Friday. You've got no added value to the role. But if you properly interview them, then you've added value to the role and you've made them feel more valuable and you've made the role more valuable. So let's take you through our process. So the very first thing that we did was we asked them to answer a question. Now, not everybody did ask that, answer the question. Hardly any did. Yeah. In fact, actually, that's the correct way of doing it, getting them to answer a question. Mm-hmm. I was frustrated by this point and took the question out. Yeah. And why they didn't answer it. I did put a, put a question in a couple of them. Yeah. In an ideal world, I agree. In an ideal world, that. you want a qualified question there to see whether they have looked through the advert. Can you give us an example of the question? Yeah. So what book are you reading at the moment and why? Or if you... Gary V's new book's good. He's getting back on the podcast. Right, he's not replied. If you could only have one superpower between being able to fly and being invisible, which would you choose and why? Okay. So tell me, they say invisible, which way are you going? Well, no, it's not judgmental according to whether invisible is better than flying, which it is, by the way. That's my I'd thought. prefer to fly. Yeah, well, almost everybody says fly, so I've given up thinking that that means anything. But sometimes I wish you were invisible. Sometimes I wish you would fly off. <laughs> it's more about the way they handle the question, particularly if they do it on, on the phone, you know, if it's later in the interview process and do it on the phone. I want to hear how they react to that question. Do they crumble or do they enjoy the question? Do they have a little banter with you about it? So once you've got the questions, you've got a list of candidates with the answers, what's the next step? Well, they're nicely organised on an Excel spreadsheet. Are they? Yeah. Well, I do. Mine aren't. No, I know yours aren't. I don't know where yours are in your head and on indeed. But I like to put them in Excel spreadsheet because I've already started ranking them by this stage. So I might red, amber, green on them. Good. Or I might. Yeah, or on spelling. Or any of the evidence I have at that point, like no response. Tell you what's straight up a no for me, when they can't put a capital letter at the start of their name or surname. I've stopped using that as a filter because I've realised that the younger they are, the more likely they are to do that. No, I disagree. I think it's usually 50-year-old men. So somebody that we've just about to offer a job to did it. I oh, know, sorry. I'm not going to tell you who it was. There was a guy called Peter that kept applying. He had it. <laughs> and he's definitely mid-50s. I think maybe it's in the mid-50s or in their early 20s. They have two different reasons for doing it. Okay, so the next point or the next step is a pre-interview questionnaire. What's that? I'm glad you asked that, Phil. Thank you. You told me to. This is 20 questions that's kind of like a personality test set of questions. And the idea of it is to determine whether they would be best suited to a maintenance role, which is where our rocks sit. These are people who are the foundation of our business, who have got a tidy desk and they are very organized, very meticulous, attention to detail, work nine to five, don't really take work home. Or whether they are a deliverer, which we call our concierge, head of our delivery department. And they are people that are very sociable, a little bit scatty sometimes, usually have a bit of an untidy desk, love being out and about and meeting people all the time. What people think of them is really important to them. So the concierge role is a very different type of person than a rock role. And then the third type of role is a hustler role, which generally speaking, we don't hire for because generally speaking, that is just me and Phil. And that is the growth department. He's speaking generally there. Should have said it. Said generally. So. so one of the questions might be, for example... The scenarios. So if 
And these are multiple choices. Yeah. So just give an example. If you've told someone that you're going to ring them back on Wednesday to find out if they're going to instruct you, do you do it as soon as you get in? Do you wait till you've finished all your workload and ticked off every job you have on your list? Or do you just do it when you get time? Which one are you? And we have lots of questions like that that are all geared towards how they would work on a day to day and which role would suit them, which mm-hmm. skill set have they got, which and I guess it's never an exact science and we probably answer them on how we would feel they would react, but it seems to work quite well. It does. It works surprisingly well, considering the questions we put together, we didn't put a huge amount of thought into them. And I keep thinking we should go back and revisit them. But actually, the last set of interviews that we did in person, we asked people to correlate their answers with jobs, and they were pretty strongly correlated. And to give you an example... The challenge is, and I'd have probably been similar, is when you've been in a certain environment in a job, and it's almost all you know, then you almost answer thinking that's what you're good at, or thinking that's how you should answer, as opposed to actually what your natural tendency is to do, which I'd have probably done five years ago. I had to put a note in the top of this pre-interview questionnaire process by, and said, you can only answer one because a lot of people started answering two. And some, some rounds are all three and put all are important. And I'd say if you use any more than one, then put your note explaining underneath. Well, to give you an example of what I mean by this, we had a completion on a house recently. So Edward, who is our rock, he found out when the completion was going to be and then he put it in the group chat that this house had completed. So that's the rock roll. And the question that Hannah asked, so he said, Rose Cottage has just completed. Hannah said, were they happy? Now, Hannah's our concierge, so she takes her validity of her role from how happy a client is. And Phil said, paid yet. Because he's the hustler. (laughs) And there's never more of an indicative response, really, of those three roles than those three things that happened on that day. So you've got your questionnaires. Do you, how do you choose who to interview or who to say to the next stage? Well, I think the challenge that some people listening to this might have is if they are only looking for a rock or a concierge, or as we call them, a team executive or a client executive, then you might find this a bit challenging because what if you really, really like somebody, but they are weighted very heavily on their answers towards team executive, but you really want a client executive. So I would advise you to keep your mind open when you're guidance. It's a guidance. So in both ways. So actually, Hannah, for example, our concierge, she is strongly weighted also towards a hustler. Whereas if you get Maria, she is our other concierge. She is much more towards a team executive and a rock. So it's not absolute, but it should be a guidance. And if you get somebody who you think would be absolutely fantastic as a client executive, but you would need a team executive, then either hire them anyway or bank them because you just don't know when you might need that role in the future. And I wouldn't let a good person go. So you've got all the answers. You know who's going to score for what. You're then going to arrange a call with everybody. So at this point, you lose people because you lose people at the questionnaire because they can't figure out how to print the questionnaire off, scan it and send it back to you. And they've they've clicked on this job advert thinking that it was, (laughs) well, applying for every job going, all of a sudden they're getting personality tests throws them a bit. Yeah, it does throw them a bit. So I probably lose about 20% of people at questionnaire stage. And then when I want to set up a call, I probably lose about another 20% of people who just don't respond or actually withdraw their applications. And the next step is a half hour call. The half hour call is for me to ask them, well, for us to ask them questions that are related to three metrics that we're using at the moment, although they're still a work in progress, which are hungry, humble and smart. I won't go into those at the moment because it's from a Frank Lencioni book called The Ideal Team Player. And we'll do that on another episode. Did You knew which questions you're going to ask. Yeah. In which order. Yeah, I and, did. And you knew... I had six questions, two for each of the hungry, humble and smart. And did you know the answers you wanted? 
I'm Andrew Sampson, my agency is AKS. Uh, favourite part of being a Firewave member for me is the overall support, so it's far, far more than just the content. So when I joined, really I joined because I like the blogs, like the letters, but it's the overall community, the mastermind days, all the other stuff that goes into it that I think is probably even more valuable than the content itself. So it's worked out fantastically for me. In terms of the sort of results that we've got, we sent 100 letters out just before Christmas. That led to six properties coming on the market. We find that the letters go down extremely well just because they're so, so different. I did. And you knew... I had six questions, two for each of the hungry, humble and smart. And did you know the answers you wanted? I wanted to make sure that, for example, for humble, they quite often said we, or if they were people smart, they were talking about the team and how they collaborate with the team on projects. So yeah, I had a good steer, but it actually gave me a lot of information about them because again, it was scenarios that we were presenting to them. And what scale were you using to take someone through on our gut or was it an actual formula? We have actually got a scoring system, which is out of five, Hungry, Humble and Smart. I'm looking at one right now that says three and a half for Humble. I don't like out of five. Four out of, just let's keep it nice and easy, I know, five but, stars. But out of five just doesn't give me enough room. Well, you can, you can have halves, and so it's out of ten. And then smart, this, I put three plus for this one, so you'd like that even less. But we actually, we, three are, plus. Well, we are interviewing her again, so <laughs> it must have worked, yeah. I, I did like her. So that's the call. And then the next step from the call for the people who get through, again, it's probably about 80% again. The next step is a group interview. No one likes group interviews, do they? How do you get in there? We don't tell them it's a group interview. We don't tell them it's not a group interview. We don't lie, but we just say, can you make an interview? We give them two different days. So one during the day, one in the evening for the people who can't get the time off during the day. We had nine people during the day for the first one and six people in the evening for the second one. It's a two hour long interview with lots of interactive role playing and... Give an example. Actually, I say role play, it's not really role playing. So we talk about our core values and why they matter, for example. And we ask them to go to our Facebook page and find examples of our core values as they are trade in our posts on our Facebook page. But what are you looking for? How do they get to the next round? What I'm looking for... Is it like Hunger Games? I Not think... Hunger Games. Um, the Korean show. Squid, Squid Game. Squid Game. Yeah, this is the first round of Squid Game. <laughs> so the next game is Green Light, Red Light, isn't it? Green Light, Red Light. Yeah, so Sam Ashdown is... What she does, she turns around and anyone that dares to move... <laughs> like Bulldog we used to play. <laughs> yeah, you should probably watch the programme you think it's like Bulldogs. I've never seen Squid Game, so I don't know. But what I can tell you is that what I'm looking for, I'm looking to see how they collaborate with each other. Because I say to them, I don't want shining stars because a shining star can be here today and gone tomorrow. A shining star is usually somebody who's led by their ego, who wants the the job role, but not the job, who says they like a challenge and it's just a lie, who want to put themselves above their team members. Usually they want to put themselves above people by putting others down, yeah. not by actually being the best there. Sometimes it's completely subconscious and they're not deliberately being derogatory to the team members. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to present to us, the interviewees, interviewers, sorry. And what we want is they want them to totally focus on the job in hand and collaborate with each other and do it in a way that we can imagine them doing that in Ashdown Jones or in Firewave. Yeah. Then they're in the wrong company to start doing that. <laughs> so we have a listening game. We have a what would you do in this situation game, if you like, or exercise where we give them a really difficult situation that we were in and ask them what they would do in that situation. Hannah completely butchered it when she did it. I said, Hannah, you're overcomplicating it because she just she had all the emails printed out. I'm like, you're overthinking this. So keep it nice and simple. We have an exercise where we have the three different departments and all the different tasks the three different departmental roles do and ask them to put them in the right order. And then we have a listening task where we give them a story. Or we've got eight questions at the end of the story. And some of them are just, you do these tasks singly. Some of them are in doubles or trebles and some of them are in bigger groups. So at this point, 
I'm really looking for an energy. But we always talk about energy, don't we? So if the stand-up start doing star jumps, then you, they're in. They're in. And yeah, it's quite difficult to define if someone has a good energy about them. And if you give them something to go and do, how quickly do you think they'll do it? How successful do you think they'll do it? Will they do it with a smile on their face? It's kind of everything mm. into one. And how well are they working in that team? Do you think that if, you, if they're on a night out with your team, they're going to get on well with them? They're going to add to the environment? And that at this point is more important to us. Well, throughout actually, it's more important experience and skill. Because at this point, they're trying to talk about the skill and experience and what they've done. And I can't tell you how boring it is to us. <laughs> I mean, the amount of interviews we've done the last couple of weeks and people tell you the same old crap, don't they? <laughs> Well, Lucy, when she came in, because she was flitting in and out, getting people coffees and stuff, and she noticed that two people had, I'd just call them resting, nasty faces, where they didn't seem to smile in their resting pose. And that was bothering her. We hadn't actually noticed, but I can tell you that they didn't get through. So we probably did notice on a subconscious level. So at the end of that interview process, so that's about a two-hour group interview, then we invite some people back for one-on-one interviews. We had to do one by Zoom this time because they had uh, they were positive for COVID to add to the excitement of the interview process. But the rest of them we've done one-on-one in the office. And because we still don't want to make a quick mistake or rather a quick decision and a possible mistake, we also are meeting them outside the office for a coffee and a cake or a lunch or something where we want to get to know them a little bit better. Yeah. So by this point, this is the third in-person touch point. It's fifth or sixth or seventh actual touch point with us. It's actually fourth. Well, if you regard my call with them, it's a half an hour call. So yeah, it's quite an effort. Mm. We're getting staff from a different area of the country and therefore they've got to travel over to Windermere so that it can be up to an hour travel. Sometimes more. Somebody got a guest house overnight because yeah, they were nearly two hours it's away. It's a significant investment from both us in terms of our time and from them in terms of time, often financial investment. So at this point, we know that they really want the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they know that we think that the interview process is really, really important. Yeah, and they know that they've worked for the job if they get it, yeah. which hopefully will come back in spades in terms of loyalty. Well, the effort they put in to keeping the job. Yeah, they hopefully they'll understand the type of company we are, the values we hold, and mm-hmm. yeah, time will tell us. And then the next process, I suppose, after the offer is they're going to get a three-month trial. Yeah, let's go back one step. So what we've got coming next is we take them out into a different environment. So we're going into a restaurant either for breakfast or for, tea, I could say tea, but most of you won't understand what tea is, dinner, evening snacks. <laughs> and... There we'll be looking for conversational skills. We'll be looking at how they treat the waiters or waitresses, how they order their food, what kind of what language they use. And it just puts them in a different environment. Mm. Yeah. So for example, if they're eating their dinner and they are nervous and they're, they're kind of picking away the dinner because of an interview process, if we sat them in front of a, you know, three million pound house owner, they're going to be even more nervous. So therefore, we want to see how those nerves play out and how well they handle them. We judge what food they order. If they're vegetarian, no chance. They bring their own sandwiches. Yeah. If they offer to pay. If they bring their own sandwiches, they're in. <laughs> yeah. And then, as I say, then the final step after the offer is that they're on a three-month probation, three-month trial. And what we want to try and instill is to make sure that they know they are on trial. So they're going to obviously do their very, very best, but also to get the best out of them. We don't want to put them in a comfortable situation for too long. But at the end of the three months, there will be a formal decision made about whether we're going to offer them a permanent job or not. And at that point, if they are offered a permanent job, we'll have a celebration kind of a card, some kind of little gift, anything we can do to make it a bit more formalised that they have transitioned from probationer 
to permanent staff member and permanent member of the team. Permanente. So that's really all I want to say about making these interviews difficult, a challenge, hard to get through, because we believe, and it remains to be seen if we're right, hmm. that what's going to be on the other side is a more committed, dedicated, happily challenged team member. And also, I think it shows a respect level for your own company, how hard it is to get in. And the rest of the team members respect their role more. Yeah, they realise that they're but by the grace of God, as it's lacking. We've created a super special free Firewave gift, packed full of marketing goodies just for our podcast listeners. You can get yours by going to www.fire-wave.co.uk slash free gift and following the simple instructions. That's www.fire-wave.co.uk slash free gift.